I got in trouble because I said the Bible was not the final authority and that Jesus was. at him now they're miss they're yeah. they're confusing the deity of scripture from the deity of yeah that's exactly it it's a, it's a setting you know it's rough yeah okay. so they said you know what is your final authority oh my goodness the scriptures are written by 70 AD. Blah, 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 blah. so what happened in 70 AD that god lost all of his authority like where did <laughs> the rapture where did all of his authority go the, the apostles died and all the authority went with them isn't technically all the bible supposed to be red letter like in, in essence so if Jesus, if we believe in any form of of inspiration, then we we have to recognize that the source of those words is Christ, and mm-hmm. so therefore they yeah. point to Christ. So the person has the authority; the words are not where the authority. I, I, I think they're obviously yeah. they're very um, simplistic in their expression. Like if you were having a discussion and you brought a uh, I don't know People's Magazine article, and we said something that's true and then we brought the bible and we said well this is what the bible says the authority lies in the scriptures the, i think that's pretty obvious but yeah. if we're looking at what the authority of where does the authority of the bible come from God. yeah so, <laughs> so that's probably the best question to ask <laughs> where like what that's it doesn't for sure you could like bart airman reads the bible yeah. and does not see authority there um they saw authority and they believe in slavery right yeah that was their final authority yeah, Baptist. Woo! Uh, <laughs> just a southern one. Just Don't going worry. after Baptists again. Yeah, we're going to do it more later. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be doing it. Welcome to If I Had an Opinion. I'm Jeremiah. I'm here with Nigel and Gordon. We've been recording this whole time. I don't know if any of that's going to make it in, but that's okay. So this is If I Had an Opinion. Um, today we're going to be talking about the millennium, so that's going to be pretty exciting. Um, I also have a surprise topic. Here's my surprise topic, because surprise topics are fun. Um, so my surprise topic is this. Um, Wait. Where did you get cookies? <laughs> That's not the surprise topic. But they <laughs> appeared on my desk. <laughs> How do you get cookies? They were just here. I'm For what? Because it's October? I'm assuming they are not poisoned and that they're not just like <laughs> bait of some kind. Our, our CMA Facebook group friends sent you cookies. <laughs> That's one way to deal with the problem. I mean, with the conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's how you have a conversation. Killed with kindness. Yeah. Kill them with kindness, literally. That's taking uh, it too far, uh, Gordon. <laughs> so we are, uh, my surprise question, though, is this. We were at the corn maze yesterday with the youth group, um, and VeggieTales came up, and then it came up that originally Phil Vischer drew the char- The main character was, like, they were going to be candy bars, right? So... Um, and then he showed his wife and his wife was like, no, you can't make a cartoon where all the characters are candy bars because that's not a great message. So then he drew a bunch of other things and he drew a cucumber and he was like, oh, that works. So then Larry, the cucumber was born. So that's the behind the, behind the music, you know? Um, so that's kind of how that went. Uh, but one of the things that Phil Vischer would not do was he wasn't, he never put Jesus in a veggie tales, uh, cause he didn't want to make Jesus into a vegetable. Um, but then my question was this, what candy bar would Jesus be if he was a candy bar? Like if you, because I think that was part of the problem, right? Like if you're going to make Jesus into a vegetable, like which vegetable would you pick? You know, that'd be kind of rough. Um, so all the other ones, you can just like throw somebody into that role and be fine. Um, but I feel like for candy bars, it'd be really hard. Um, so my question, my, my surprise topic of the day is if Jesus was a candy bar, what candy bar would he be? <laughs> 
All right. I guess we're just going off the top of our head here. Yeah, right? off the top of our head. I haven't really thought about it that much, except that I decided I don't think it would be anything from Hershey's because I think Hershey's is too low. So we had a discussion with the um, junior hires on Wednesday about how Jesus is qualitatively better than us um, because one of the kids said something about, like, um, you know, if you're better than someone else. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> You are not better than anyone else. I am not better than anyone else. We are qualitatively the same. So if we're like just like Hershey's bars, like some of us are Kit Kats and some of us are Reese's and some of us are Hershey's, you know? Um, and then some people have to be like Almond Joys, you know what I mean? But none of those are Jesus because Jesus is qualitatively better. You know what I mean? Right? So <laughs> so we're throwing some disclaimers into this. Yeah, some disclaimers. I don't okay. think it could be because I, I was thinking like some people would be like, well, it's Hershey's because Jesus loves everyone and like everybody loves Hershey's. And I was like, nah, you know, I don't like that. So the it's the quality of the Hershey's that so. you don't think I don't think the quality measures up. up. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you on that. Unless you were like trying to make like <laughs> I just thought of a really bad analogy for the Trinity. No, let's not do that <laughs> analogy for the Trinity. No, not right now. It was s'mores. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, anyway, what candy bars would you guys say? Because I think you got to go like like some really good chocolate. You know, like you don't want. Garbage I don't, I don't know if it has to obviously garbage chocolate, but what what um, qualifies as garbage chocolate could be different for people. I like guess that's like true. there's dark chocolate and then there's milk right. chocolate. I don't think it'd be dark chocolate though. That's my thing because there is a sense in which Jesus is for everybody, and dark chocolate not for everybody. Isn't for dark everybody. chocolate's what you buy so your children don't eat your candy. Like that's that's <laughs> that's exactly what that is. You're just like I don't want my kids to eat this, so they'll try it and they'll be like, "Wow, that's gross." And you're like, "I know." <laughs> that's why it's just for me. That's why it's for me. I eat the dark chocolate because it's gross, and you don't like it. No, does it have to have a filling because he's dual natured? <laughs> oh no! Hypostatic union. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not filling. Maybe it's a wafer inside there. Wow, like a Kit Kat. Well, I have a better one actually, and I think one. it might actually be. The best one? Yeah, I think okay. s- metaphorically and everything. You probably wouldn't know it because it's a Canadian chocolate bar. Whoa. The best chocolate bar. It's called Mr. He comes from above, too. Mr. Big. Exactly. <laughs> Geographically. <laughs> spatially. It's called Mr. Big. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Fantastic. The best chocolate bar ever. What is, it? What is ever. It Mr. Big? It's a, basically a, a caramel wafer covered in chocolate. What is a caramel wafer? What does exactly. that mean? What did you I know. Say? I know. <laughs> My parents brought some. You have some? I ate them all. Oh, my goodness. I was going to say, next time, we'll try them on, on our podcast. Yeah. I'm gonna, I will get some off Amazon. Do they have them on Amazon? I doubt Is it. Is that a thing? I no? don't think you can get them off I'm Amazon. I'm going to look it up. Are you sure? Do it now. Ev- try Amazon it if everything. they can. Amazon has everything. We'll see. Amazon. Amazon shopping. Here we go. Do you have any suggestions other than Mr. Big, since we don't really know what that is? I do not. Oh, dude, that is not helpful. <laughs> trying to fill time here <laughs> yeah no wait are they by cadbury probably mr big mm-hmm. snack size chocolate bar pack of 10 oh, i don't know let me $10? see ten dollars does it look like that is that it yeah that's it Haha! i found it amazon you can get anything there you can we're not sponsored by amazon but we should be you know by the time <laughs> this is over <laughs> i did not know yeah, a dollar a piece. If I push this, and now would be a good time. Will to it buy, buy it on your account if I push? Well, since buy. it's my phone, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your generosity. A uh, dollar a piece—that's pretty cheap. There we go. So we mm. discovered it's Mr. Big. Mr. Bars. Big. So next time we'll have Mr. Big bars. I'm gonna order some. Now's a good time to order things that are like, 
like chocolate in the mail though in Visalia because it's not hot anymore. If you did that during the summer, you just have a ball a of chocolate. But <laughs> that'd be really gross. Oh man, I have another suggestion also. Uh, another topic. Uh, last time we said that we should get Carmen to do our intro music, uh, <laughs> but then um, Propaganda came out with a song called Dope, um, and it is exactly that. It's dope and it's great uh, and it's wonderful and it's about how you know. The people who wrote it were dope, and also like, life is dope, and everything's dope. That's and slang, like right? It. Yeah, like good. Just want to like, make sure life is good. Not life is like weed. The <laughs> they are in California, but I don't think that's what they were going with. It's a great song. Right now, it only has like fifty thousand listens on Spotify, so I feel like we could maybe you know steal it, ramp that up there a little bit, no, or people not. wouldn't even notice if we took it. <laughs> I just like oh, okay whatever man anyway our main topic for today because we don't have a, a a lot of time um i was trying to come up with a, a different word for a lot and i couldn't uh <laughs> this much. is gonna get interesting <laughs> we don't have a much time <laughs> anyway um our topic for today is the millennium um so falcon i knew you were gonna say that gordon no. Yeah, you have to have one joke about the Millennium Falcon. <sighs> okay, I guess that's our one joke for the entire podcast. We can never do that again. <laughs> so he wasted it. No? Okay. Um, Good timing. As with most things about um, eschatology, there are like three main views and then like random other views. Um, so the main views usually can be described as pre, post, and then ah. So pre-millennial. Post millennial, ah millennial, <laughs> ah millennial, which is not when you complain about millennials on Facebook. Do you the... want to say what the millennium <laughs> is? <laughs> we will. We'll get there. Uh... <laughs> Gordon, trying to keep you on track. It's I was adorable. Just that some people might might be like, yeah. So in Revelation twenty, I'm just making sure it's actually Revelation twenty. Um, am I right? Revelation twenty. Yes. And so this is where the doctrine of the millennium comes from. It's in starts in verse four. It says, "Then I saw thrones and people seated on them, who were given authority to judge. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and who had not accepted the mark uh, on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection." Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And then after a thousand years are over, uh, Satan's released from wherever he is, and then there's a final battle again. Um, so, uh, basically, the premillennial view, um, which is the view that really wasn't a view until the 1800s, um, is that the events in revelation 20 uh haven't happened and it is a literal um thousand years right so uh when it says that they reign for a thousand years it means from the day that jesus sets foot in jerusalem till a thousand years later that's when he reigns um the other thing is, and he reigns in the New Jerusalem, right? So that's the premillennial view. The postmillennial view would say that the millennial reign is over. It's already happened. Postmillennial view? Yeah, no. What, what are they? What are they going with? It sounds like it would mean that uh, it's over. It already happened, but that's not what they mean. No, postmillennial view is that we are living in the millennium, and that at the second coming, 
I guess, which at the next coming, we'll put it that way, at the next coming of Christ, the earth will have been prepared to receive him and right. inaugurate so his kingdom. The, and so in that view, um, the world and society is getting better and better and going kind of, there's an upward trajectory toward glorifiedness. And then Jesus comes back when the earth reaches whatever point it is. So it's not a literal thousand years, or Jesus would have already come back uh, about a thousand years ago. Um, and that's uh, <laughs> a little bit rough. Uh, <laughs> that would mean we're in new creation now. Um, and then the amillennial view, um, it depends on how you take it. There's a lot of different ways that you can go with this. Um, basically, uh, the main tenet of that view is that the thousand years does not mean a literal thousand years. Typically, it means, typically, what they would say is, that the new Jerusalem and new creation are the same thing. So when Jesus comes back, he brings with him new Jerusalem. Um, basically, the point of that is in Isaiah, um, I think it's 63. Um, Jerusalem and new creation are equated as the same thing. Uh, it's new Jerusalem, it's new creation, they're the same. Uh, and so when Jesus comes back, he brings both. And so a thousand years is mentioned as a um, fullness kind of thing. That it's the That Jesus reigns, basically. That's kind of how that goes. Um, so now we're going to discuss the thousand year reign of Jesus. Uh, I grew up in the Sims of God. And so we had a lot of charts about this. Um, typically, oh, there's a chart. Uh, typically people who are premillennial are also, uh, pre-tribulational. That's hard to say. I usually just say pre-trib. Um, so everything, most of those people would say the majority of what is written in revelation hasn't happened. Yes. That's, that's not a, I'm not, I feel like I'm not, uh, mischaracterizing <clears throat> them. Yep. Um, so they would say. Other than um, Jesus writing those letters to the churches, and then maybe Revelation 9, I think it's 9, um, when there is the, no, it's Revelation 12, the woman and the dragon, which is obviously about Jesus being born, uh, I think. I mean, maybe some of them would say it's not, but then that seems like there's a second Messiah. So uh, the <laughs> and that seems problematic to most of the people. Um, <laughs> so they would say that, typically, uh, that the tribulation is a seven-year literal period of time, uh, that we are raptured before that. There is some sort of judgment thing in heaven, and we eat with Jesus for seven years, and then we come back on white horses, and then the uh, millennium happens, and then Satan is released, and then um, the new creation happens. So that's kind of their timeline. You can try to draw that out from how I said it. You can you can figure out that chart for yourself. Uh, it's a pretty simple chart. Um, the problem with that, uh, at least that I see, is that um, the Book of Revelation's timeline doesn't seem to add up very well uh, when you make it literal. That apocalyptic literature wasn't meant to be taken literally. Um, <clears throat> so a giant beast with uh, seven heads and horns on the heads and seven eyes and all of that doesn't make a lot of sense. Jesus doesn't literally have t um, how many ever horns it says the Lamb of God has. Um, he's a person. So uh, to make the book of Revelation literal does a disservice to the, to the genre of literature that you are reading. Uh, but, but most people would say that they are, that the events, I guess the chronology is literal. Mm -hmm. The imagery is what's symbolic. Like yes. the, the imagery of whatever that beast looks like right. is, is representative of something else historical. And, but I think before we get there, I just want to clarify that for those that hold to a literal thousand year millennium for that thousand years, any usually attached to that is a form of a seven-year tribulation. So yes. it doesn't have to be a pre. It can be a mid-tribulation. It can be a 
mid pre wrath tribulation. Right. <laughs> Friend of the show, you know? <laughs> also not a sponsor. Um, and you could be post tribulation. You could say that, that you know, the church is going to be there through. So tribulation and millennium are different conversations. Yes. So once you get past your concept of tribulation, whether that uh, is something that took place, like we did last week, whether that's a preterist view or a futurist view, that there's still a literal seven years. Usually people that hold to a literal seven-year tribulation are also millennial, so they believe in a literal thousand years. Right. Um, whereas if you're going to be amillennial or post-millennial, then you take a different view on the tribulation. You no longer see that as a as a seven-year period, literally either. Now it's a, a a season of or a period of or an intermixing of tribulation along with the rest of history because in a post-millennial view um there's highly preterist so it's it, everything was done by 8070 yeah. um this sense of tribulation is something that is is diminishing over time as the kingdom of god is advancing so it's almost like both are happening at the same time yeah simultaneous events so the the, the greater impact the gospel is having around the world and the more godly the world is becoming, uh, in in relative terms, the less tribulation the church will experience. So, um, it's I think just to try and figure out those categories or figure out how it all comes together is that the literal view isn't so much that um, usually encompasses other things. It isn't that that there's a literal dragon going to be right. coming all that stuff, but they represent entities that will take place in history. Sure. Um. Sometimes. And then sometimes sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I was in eschatology classes where it wasn't necessarily that it's a beast or there's um, that there's a literal beast, but there are literal entities that come out of like the sky, like Black Hawk helicopters, and you try to figure out that this person's Russia and this person's this other country. Um, so I've been in those classes. Those are fun. Um, and so that's a type of like hyper literalism that just doesn't At work. your actual academic schools. No, not my academic schools. <laughs> That's the stuff that happens oh, no, like, that's in the, the cafeteria. Stuff that happened, um, no, that was the stuff that happened um, when I was in high school. I took um, kind of like ministry classes through the district that I was a part of. So um, that was the stuff that happened there. So it was supposed to be academic, but um, I was about yeah. to judge your colleges. No, my colleges didn't do that. They usually just made fun of those people. Uh, the <laughs> those people could have made your college a lot of money. Probably. They probably could have, um, especially Jerry Jenkins, since he tried to publish his Left Behind series through Moody Publishers, and then they turned him down. Um, so, the biggest mistake they ever made. but uh, <laughs> Financially. <laughs> financially, at least, yes. Um, so, there are some people who take it like super literally. The problem, typically, that I see is that when you start taking some of the, some of the numbers literally, you got to use all the numbers literally, I think. Well, it's hard to differentiate. Like, if, right. It's if, hard to figure out, okay, so what are we taking literally? What is a metaphorical number? Yeah. Um, so even if you say the beast is a metaphorical beast, he's not a real, like he's a person. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. Um, but what about the 144,000 people in Revelation 7? Right. So why is that not a literal number? Uh, and then they wouldn't really have, there's no answer, really. They would, right. It's just not. So you're just saying like consistency of interpretation when right. it comes to apocalyptic literature. Where they're consistent typically until they get to Revelation 20. And then they start saying, well, this number has to be literal. Uh, so like most of them would not say that uh, I don't think that the mark of the beast is is literally the number six six six, right? Because if it was, we would all see it coming. And we be should like, be hey, wise. Don't and... do that because everyone's seen the omen, and so they, 
Like at this point, I have not seen the okay. old man. But you know the idea. Like the kid is born, he has six 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 on his ankle. Like so, they're like, oh, this is a demon baby, right? So <laughs> even people who aren't Christians would be like, yeah, we shouldn't be part of the six 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 thing, right? Like I, I just <laughs> so it's a little it's it's a little too easy to tell is what you're right, saying. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's other places where things seem like they're they could be taken as literal numbers, especially in Revelation seven, um, and that means that only 144,000 Jewish people be will be in heaven would be where you have to end up right um, and so that doesn't seem <clears throat> that doesn't seem accurate to me I don't know the to me it seems like there is more hopefully I don't know maybe, yeah. maybe there's only 144,000 of them but I feel like uh, of the people of Israel what about Dan probably I don't, well Dan's not in there so the whole tribe of Dan gets left out of Revelation 7 so you do with that what you will um, the <laughs> dramatically changes the averages <laughs> um but in, in apocalyptic literature, there are certain numbers that are used for um, kind of a number of completion. And usually the only one we talk about, like in scripture, we'll talk about threes and sevens. Yeah. Um, but there's 12 in there. So you have 12 tribes. You have 12 disciples. There's a reason that numbers are repeated. Um, the number 10 and the number 1,000 are all used in Revelation as, as numbers of completion. And so when you look at even the, the judgments that are being poured out, um, the seventh one always starts a new cycle of judgment until you get to the seventh bowl of God's wrath. And then that's actually Jesus coming to judge all of his enemies. Um, but the, they're, they're signaling that you are, you are watching the completion of God pouring out his wrath because of sin on the earth. And so it gets to six and then it starts over and then it gets to six and it starts over and then it finally gets to seven. And that's the culmination of God pouring out his wrath. And that's why they're going to seven. Um, it's not because they were just like, this will be a fun like thing like we it just it, we only came up with six ideas so we need to jump to the next list it's right <laughs> that's not what's happening in apocalyptic literature the numbers are actually important um and so you end up in a in a place where you get to revelation 20 it's like okay so why are we now taking the only place that this thousand year reign is mentioned uh, as literally as possible um is usually my my issue is that the the rest of kind of our eschatology we take from not just revelation we take it from books of the Thessalonians, we take it from Matthew 24, we take it from Daniel, we take it from Ezekiel, and we take it from all these places and we put it together and then we get to uh, after Revelation 19, which seems to be the second coming of Jesus. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm tipping my, my, I'm showing you my cards a little bit here, right. but uh, it seems to me that Revelation 19 is Jesus comes with the saints on horses uh, and the final battle happens. Um, and so there is um so the people who are probably ahead of me and are like, but wait, it seems like there's another battle. Um, it's a thing called recapitulation. So in Revelation, you just see the repeat of things. Because if you follow the judgments that happened on the earth, um, the earth gets destroyed a couple of times before you get to Revelation 20. Um, if you keep killing thirds of the earth, like no one's left. So the... The, so I'm not sure. Except for the 144,000. I mean, maybe that's the number that's left over <laughs> after all of these judgments. But if you watch even the first, like in the in the first judgments, in the scroll judgments, the sun goes dark. If the sun goes dark, we all die. Like the... <laughs> like we, we, but, <laughs> but it's happened before. Sure. Um, and stars are falling out of the sky and a third of the earth dies. And then in the next one, a third of the earth dies again. And all of the rivers... Are the the oceans are turning to blood, right. and and the scroll judgments also the all every mountain and every island moves to a different place. All of them, if all of the mountains and all of the islands move to a different place on Earth, like the, 
the <laughs> I'm, I just don't understand. The next period of time gets pretty interesting. Yeah, the, <laughs> the rest of the people on Earth who didn't weren't killed by the the pestilence and all the other stuff. It's like there, right. there's a reason they're hiding under mountains, saying just drop on us and we'll die. Is because most of the people have died now. Um, and so then we get to the millennium, and there is this uh, kind of like people feel like they have to be like, okay, but now this is a literal number. Um, when we haven't taken any of the other numbers literally, um, and so there's therein lies my issue with the a literal thousand years um, is that um, we 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 aren't taking the rest of apocalyptic apocalyptic literature the same way, and so it's not really a good faith argument to be like, well, numbers mean what the numbers mean. It's like, well, do they? Because it seems like you didn't take them this way here, and there's other examples. But um, so that's one of my issues. The post millennial view. Uh, I I just don't like. <laughs> I just don't like it. I don't like the premise. I had a thought, and then I was like, I also just don't like it. I don't like that. It it seems like you just get to pick and choose your chronology of events. So you you just because Revelation nineteen is Jesus coming back, but they're saying we're in the millennium now, and it's like what? So did, was Revelation nineteen Jesus came back? Like when Jesus came the first time? Like what is happening there? And yeah. I don't know if you can if any of you guys know. It's it, it, I, I think it's very problematic in the sense that the only time like when you read Matthew and you go through the Olivet discourse and it says that Jesus you'll see him coming back and all that kind of stuff I think in that instance the post-millennial view is that that Jesus's wrath or the wrath of God was revisited at the destruction of the temple right so that's I guess you could that's their interpretation of interpretation that he came back and so the next time he comes back is to establish uh, the the eternal kingdom the forever kingdom right. kind of a thing. And it it makes all of the details that Revelation does give us irrelevant. Cause then right. you uh, could just you could just cut out everything past chapter three and then yeah. jump to Revelation twenty one and twenty two and be like, cool, we're good. Yeah. I mean you could do a very short summary and just say the world's slowly gonna get better even though it feels like it's getting harder. And then at the end Jesus will come Jesus back. Wins. Because in Revelation, it also that doesn't seem to fit what Revelation actually says it happens. Because after the second judgments happen, the people see all the judgments who are still left, and they say, we're still not going to worship God. We're still going to fight against the things that God wants. And even after, like when Jesus comes back in Revelation 19, all the people who are on earth who aren't with God and his with Jesus and his army decide they're going to fight God. Like if the world... In my mind, if the world was getting better and better, you would see those people as the world gets better. Like when Jesus comes back, then you would have the majority of the world be Christians. And maybe that's, that's right. somehow not in their view because the tribulation and millennium are happening simultaneously. Um, so maybe they're just like, okay, so these people are over here and over here. And that's just. But, I, but I think that's what it is. I think because they look at passages where it says that all Israel will be saved and all creation like they they don't see that as universalism like every person is saved regardless of their decisions they see that as the influence of the gospel bringing right. salvation to everyone at the ends of the earth which i i think if you evaluate it from that standpoint um the imminence of christ that we talked about last week is like where is it that's not even on the radar like this idea that jesus could come back because right, you would know because everyone would be saved now yeah it would be and, and, and which i guess the open-ended question for me is what what is the new jerusalem at that point right like do you need a new jerusalem do you need like exactly but i think scripture very clearly says that the earth and the heavens are renewed they're remade 
I don't, I don't see all that's left then is a creation that's fallen, but all of its creatures are redeemed. And it, it, I don't think it really does reflects well on the details that revelation Re- revelation I, and from a post-millennial view is, is almost unnecessary. Yeah, I think so. I could be wrong. Other than we'll, to know that Jesus comes we'll back. We'll ask I mean, some Presbyterian people, I think. Uh, the, <laughs> right? Aren't Presbyterians usually? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the, they're who prevailing. Who are the post-millennial people? Who are these people? Uh, Where I, are they? I think. The, Gordon, who are they? They make up a very small portion of I thought it was a Presbyterian. evangelical church. I don't think there's a denomination that holds to a particular oh, really? view. Because I thought that was Calvin's thing. And I thought Presbyterians typically were Calvinists. Uh, that Calvin mm. wanted to... That's the idea of Geneva, right? Right. That yeah. We can create this culture that then will like spread everywhere, and somehow killing people who baptize babies works. The that's <laughs> part of that. You know, it's rough. But purge. <laughs> but that was kind of the idea of Geneva was that that they could create New Jerusalem now, um, and so I thought Presbyterians believed in postmillennialism. I could be wrong. Um, and then to poke holes in the last one because why not? You know, um, all of them have holes because we don't actually know how this works. So <laughs> in my view, uh, I, I, we try to have in eschatology some theological humility where if jesus came back and was like no that was the millennium the whole time we'd be like oh okay <laughs> right <laughs> i'm willing to accept weird. that <laughs> yeah cool cool jesus um or if um there's a literal seven year tribulation and then a literal thousand year jesus reigning on earth cool like all right great um and if not also great but typically people don't have like people want to hold their this is how the world ends um theology stuff really tightly um and maybe we shouldn't do that so much um so the amillennial view uh, part of the problem, and typically what people say is, that, well, you're not taking um, the Word of God like seriously. You're kind of just making up your own thing. I think that's usually kind of like like the, the premillennial people will be like, well, it says a thousand years, so what are you doing with a thousand years? And then they're like, well, it's not literal. And they're like, well, why not? And that's kind of how the conversation ends, typically. Uh, <laughs> no more talking happens. It's just like yelling. Um, so what other holes do we have for our millennial brothers and sisters? Do we have other, other things? Other <laughs> do, we, do we have a research department working on them? I don't know. I think he's looking for post-millennial people. <laughs> Did you find any? John Edwards. John Edwards. Yeah, he was. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Wasn't he Presbyterian? I think, I think what he was congregationalist, wasn't he? Ooh. I think post-millennial was really good until the World War One, World War Two. That took right. a hit there. <laughs> they were like, wait, what? <laughs> Nazis? Ah, dude. <laughs> Nazis will screw up your guys. But is it... But is the world getting better? We have less deaths. There is, in in a sense, they could now make yeah. the argument, even though we see uh, a lot of we we see all the bad stuff. Is typically what most sociologists would say, is that we see all the bad stuff, but actually less bad stuff happens. So you are you are uh, safer being a human now than you have ever been, ever. No matter which human you are, like it's it's uh, right. a better time to be alive than ever. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, you could say that. Um, the world is getting better. But the question then would be, is it the gospel influence making the world better? Because I think that's the key part, is that the gospel going into all the world is what makes the world better, not uh, medical research. Um, right? The medical research is from God. Sure. I, I'm not saying it's not. But, <laughs> Kingdom but of God, the question, without end. Sure, but the question Isaiah. is... The, <laughs> the question is, is that from... How would they? How would the, the people who are post-millennial see that? Well, I think they would just attribute it all to God, Yes. Yes, I think so. They think well, they would just look at the the influence of God in in the world, bringing bringing the world into conformity. I I think where the issue though is that you can't 
just like we can't moralize people and say, well, do you, are you a better person now? Well, that, that may be, but that doesn't mean that you put your faith in Christ and have been reborn. So the world can get better. Obviously God's plan could be in a, from a post-millennial perspective to increase the general well-being of humanity and society and, and, but the sin problem still remains and you can't undo the sin problem right. just by osmosis. Like or you, by like, uh, cultural... Say Jesus kind of undid the sin problem. <laughs> he undid the sin Yeah, problem. he did the sin problem. Um, but people's, the, the personal part of that, they have to believe in Jesus in order for the, that to, to take root, you know? So they can't just, like cultural engagement will not um, take away their, their sin yeah, uh, they have to have belief in Jesus in order to have right. their sin taken away. Um, the other, I just had another issue with the postmillennial people, and it left my brain. Ah, dang it, I had it. Ah, the big one. Um, the oh, here it is. Jesus says in Matthew twenty-four also that there will come a, and I think they would say this is re- as eighty seventy, a tribulation unlike any the world has ever seen. Right. Yep. That's that's kind of the the final thing. Um, that there will come like right before he comes back, there is a time where there is intense uh, physical persecution of the people who follow Jesus. Um, and so I think they would say that's 80, 70. They would, yeah. The problem with my problem with that is that then 262 and the Diocletian persecution, which is the one we usually think about as like the, like what we think of as persecution in the early church, which is like people being fed to lions and burnt at the stake and all that stuff, um, that happened after 80, 70. Like that wasn't eighty seventy wasn't the worst of it. Like eighty seventy was the worst of it for Israel, and for Jerusalem, but and, for the global church, right? Some but of the persecution has gotten worse. The so the post millennial will say that that was for Jerusalem. That was what that. So he's trib- talking to Jerusalem. He's talking to Jerusalem. And that's it. That's it. Okay, well that's good to know. So yep. we're learning things. Um, so. Uh, when we talk about the millennium, I'll just give my view and then we'll go from there. So my view is kind of a con- like a bunch of things put together um, because that's more fun. Uh, than- <laughs> it's harder to argue with, though. I'm just taking things from everybody. Uh- <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so some of my view comes from, um, I think Bauckham wrote a book. Uh, called the theology of revelation uh, where he talks about recapitu- rec- recapitulation in it's time and circle. Kind of. Uh- <laughs> no. <laughs> Time is kind of like a spiral. Uh- <laughs> I'll accept spiral. <laughs> Not a circle. Not a circle. Time is a spiral. Uh, that's in there. So recapitulation comes from there. Um, Sam Storms wrote a book uh, about the millennium. It has a line on the front of it, so it's easy to find. Uh, so you can look up Sam Storms. Um, that's all I've got. I don't know the title of it. I can't remember. Uh, it might be called just like the kingdom of God. It has something to do with kingdom, and I think there's a line on the front of it. Um so those two books, I think, are really good, but they're both from kind of an amillennial perspective. And so, I, but I think what the amillennial perspective misses is um, that there's a promise to David, which is yet to be fulfilled, which is that he will have a king sitting on his throne. And so my view is that kind of a mix of amillennial and premillennial together. So there is a kingdom of God on this earth that happens, Um but I don't really care how long it is. So, (laughs) so if Jesus wants to come for like a second and then the world is renewed, cool kingdom of God on this earth. Um, so basically Jesus sets foot on this earth before it's new earth. And that's about all. But if he wants to come and it's 10,000 years, I'm cool with that too. Like I'm fine with either way. Um, 
my my gut instinct is that when he comes, new creation comes with him, and so he sets foot on the earth, and it's kind of like recreated at that moment, and so it's more of like a one second rather than a ten thousand years. Um, okay. But to expand the amillennial view to have a literal Jesus in Jerusalem portion, because it seems like there's a lot of promises that Jesus makes um, that he will come back to Jerusalem, and you could say that in new the new creation there is a new Jerusalem, and so therefore we're good. Uh, but it seems like he's trying to make a specific promise and then specific promises are made to the people of Israel in the Old Testament um, about there being a king like David reigning in Jerusalem. So that's how I get there. Um, if it's a thousand years, that's cool too. I don't like, I'm not, right. I, I, I think my main issue is that we focus so much on the thousand year part and we miss the main point of the met of that passage, which is that Jesus will reign uh, on this earth for the amount of the, the, amount of time that God has for him to reign on this earth, um, which is what a thousand means. It's, it's, it's a, it, it doesn't mean a literal thousand if you haven't got that yet. Uh, it means a, a completion of time. Um, so the 144,000 Jewish people um, is actually just a completion of those people. So when you look at Re- uh, Romans 11, when it says all Israel will be saved, Paul has already said in Romans 9 that not all Israel is real Israel. And so real Israel is saved. So they're part of heaven. Because And if you keep reading, then there's a multitude that you can't number that's included. So those are the Gentile people. So the the full number of Jewish people come in and the full number of Gentile people come in. Um, And so sometimes it's a multitude that can't be numbered and sometimes it's a thousand people. Um, And both can mean the same thing because the type of literature that is being written here isn't um, the same as like a gospel where he says there's 5,000 uh, men and then there's women and children and we take that as a literal 5,000 men not just a bunch of people right we we assume they counted some at some point In they some counted way. them they weren't just like oh that's about 5,000 the <laughs> be easier to do church attendance we could do that that's yeah. right. you could really fudge the numbers if you're like yeah like 5,000 people I don't know and people show like, there's 300 people here you... <laughs> felt like 5,000 felt you know the feeling feeling was there um so that's kind of the difference for me is mostly in genre rather than um and so that changes how you interpret it i don't know so that's that's my view of the okay medium. i don't know if it makes sense well so you're you're eliminating i guess you're erasing some of the boundaries that that's my goal some people will hold chaos. between <laughs> chaos theory <laughs> that would hold between certain views right and so that you don't have to i guess go it doesn't have to be as dogmatic. Yeah, and, and you don't have to take everything that comes with a certain view in order right. to be able to take aspects of it. And then usually that's what ends up happening is we say, well, if you hold that view, well, then you're obligated to yeah. a whole that, bunch of other things. We do that in all sorts of areas of life where we're like, okay, so you think this one thing, so now you're in this group, and if you're in this group, you also have to think these other things. And we're like, well, that's not true. Like I can, I can take this one part of my life and think this, and I can take something from somewhere else, and we can kind of find a, a medium ground because usually in scripture i think that that all of these kind of very nuanced views are a lot closer than people like to say they are right. um because god is a lot more complex than we are so we read scripture and we're like well i figured it out well you probably didn't the because god's didn't. ways are not your ways and his thoughts are not your thoughts and so um you might it might oh, take a while Paul says i have the mind of christ you do have the mind of christ but you also have a human brain <laughs> which has limits um, and so sometimes you will get to a place in scripture where you're like, okay, it seems like it's saying this thing, but that seems like it contradicts this other thing. And you know about God that he doesn't contradict himself. So then you just say, okay, we're going to go with both. And somehow you hold them in tension together. Um, yeah. because God is able to do that, even though sometimes we, we are not 
Right. Um, and so that's more the goal of my view is to hold the two ideas in tension um, and to say they kind of work together rather than saying, okay, I'm going to be an amillennial person. And so then we're going to be over here or even like I'm going to be a postmillennial person. And then I have to agree with all the other things about Revelation uh, that I don't agree with. Um, or be a premillennial person, and I don't agree that most of Revelation is as literal as they would take it. Um, and so, yeah, that's where that's where I'm at. What about you guys? Right, so, not a literal thousand years. Right. I'm. There's all kinds of questions that come into my mind when I think of a literal thousand years. Okay. <clears throat> um, like, what would life look like on the Earth in that period of time if we were to hold to it? If we're going to hold a thousand rigidly. years, I think what they would say is that. Typically, right? New Jerusalem comes then? Or does New Jerusalem come later? I think New Jerusalem just come, come, still comes later. I think it would be um, Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah 63, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, um, where it says that a uh, no longer will a young man uh, or will like babies die, and uh, no longer uh, when a man is at a, dies at 100, it will be seen as him being young, this sort of thing. Right. So I think that's typically the exactly. The view, so, right? <clears throat> so there's still elements of... Typically, the, the it's almost like the, the the sin problem isn't fully eradicated. Right. It's like a half. It's halfway there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but typically, when people read that part of Isaiah, uh, it's tied in with with new creation. So it says New Jerusalem, and then later he calls it New Creation. Um, and probably what he's doing is he's using poetic language to explain what a recreated Earth looks like, even though we believe that in um, New Creation we don't die. Right, um, but I think in yeah. Isaiah he's probably looking toward the new, the new Jerusalem. He's he, right. he's looking beyond the millennium if we want to use the millennial yep. terms. Whereas if we but that's introduce I think where they would go right to talk about what life looks like there. It's Isaiah sixty-five. Sixty-five. I was okay. two two chapters off. So two. close. Right. So much of Isaiah, <laughs> and I. Dang it. <laughs> oh, Peter Gentry would be mad. Um, I don't know Isaiah well enough. The so what do people people living during the millennium and their gospel understanding clearly they don't all believe they don't all come to faith so there's still a tension that's taking place that <clears throat> seems like in a thousand year reign um, are are inconsistent with other things that when Jesus comes right he undoes certain things as yeah, far it as seems like. From that view, basically, people would just kind of go on with their lives. Like Jesus yeah. returns, and, and like, Jesus whoa, that was back. crazy. Well, all yeah. right, I'm gonna, I gotta go to work tomorrow. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's Monday. <laughs> yeah, and and that's kind of what I'm. I, that's why I I shy away from taking a, a thousand year view of it, is because I think the logistics of it don't really don't really flesh out in the way that life is supposed to look when Jesus comes back. Right. Like when Jesus talks about coming back and when we talk about what the world looks like and comes, and, you know, end to sin and death and all those things and the final enemy to be destroyed is death. It seems like those things aren't done away with if Jesus is reigning on the earth for a thousand years and the new Jerusalem hasn't come and all of those eschatological, optimistic hopefuls aren't present yet. Right. And so um, I, I, I tend to, um, to not hold the, a thousand year literal view um, but I, I mean, eschatology is still such a, I'm so much in flux when it comes to my, my, uh, convictions like on that. Most of the time it's like you read one passage and you're like, yeah. And, and nailed another it. Another yeah. passage and you're like, I don't know about the thing I just thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what happens is that you go back and you say, okay, well, if I, 
I'm going to, let's say my presupposition is that it's a thousand years. Right. Now I have to go back and I have to go figure out how to make everything fit into what I've just obligated myself to for the thousand years. So then you end up having to look at Revelation and the things that Jesus says in the Gospels and say, okay, well, I'll, I'm I'm deciding to interpret thousand years literally in Revelation 20. Yeah. So now I have to figure out how to be, like you, what you said, you, now I got to be consistent. Okay, now I got to figure out why grasshopper what grasshoppers are i got to figure out what exactly. locusts are I gotta, what, what are these giant grasshoppers the, that eat people <laughs> exactly and do they ride but on they horses don't actually kill people they just they don't eat grass they eat people but they won't kill the people right so now i'm now i have to go beyond simply what it seems to be indicating to now i have to figure out how how to apply what i'm reading in a visible tangible kind of a way right. and i don't like being obligated that way <laughs> And it's really hard if you just like read Revelation and you're like, all right, I'm just going to try to come to it with nothing. And then you get to the end and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is confusing. Um, where I would also kind of get my view, and this might be a weird one for most people because most people don't know this. At the end of Daniel 9, there's 45 extra days that are missing. Um, and I don't know what the 45 days are. So my other option is that Jesus reigns for 45 days uh, that, that's the <laughs> in days. Jerusalem. I think that's a fun one uh, <laughs> just because someone has to account for the 45 days. Uh, so why not me? You know, the, I've never heard anyone talk about these 45 days. Um, it's where the pre-wrath people get their That's what I was going to say. I think, that's, I think that's the pre-wrath acknowledgement, I right. think. There's kind of just like these weird, and it, it, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. You're just like, wait, what? Why are there 45 days? Um, so, yeah. Um, but the, all of those reasons are also why I would lean toward kind of more of an amillennial, like Jesus comes back and as he touches the ground, the world is recreated. Um, and so he it touches down on this literal earth, he comes back to this place, and then um, that's kind of the, the mountain splitting and every valley is made flat and all of that stuff. Like if that happened when Jesus came back and everyone was like, well, I just have to go to work the next day. Yeah. That'd be really weird. Like that doesn't make exactly. sense. For yeah. people to be like, well, now let's go fight that guy. So what? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would they do that? Yeah. No one would do that. And, and like, think. where does Armageddon fit into the into the timeline? I would put it so. In my view, Revelation nineteen and twenty are chronological. So Revelation nineteen is Armageddon, I think, and then Revelation twenty seems like Jesus fights Satan, and it's like what? And so that's where your time is a spiral. Uh, exactly. And so we're redescribing the the Jesus destroying all the people who are enemies. Right. So we see kind of this rain, and then he says, and then he saw this, um, and it's the chronologically it's how john sees the end of time but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's chronologically how the events play out so john can see the events happen in a certain order and then he just writes them how he's supposed to write them and he doesn't write certain stuff that god tells him that he's not allowed to write right um and so there's parts of revelation that he was like oh i should add that and god was like nope you don't get to add that um and so that seems to be where you're like, okay, so this obviously is circling back. That's what I mean. Like if you if if Armageddon is placed where if we read it chronologically, it seems that's redundant now. Yeah. Why like, are why are Jesus's enemies coming back? If Jesus destroyed all of his enemies in Revelation 19, and Revelation 19 and 20 are literal, then why in the end of Revelation 20 does Jesus have to redestroy the same enemies? Why exactly. does he keep fighting his enemies if he is the 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 Alpha and the Omega, and he has all authority, and he comes with a scepter, and he comes to crush people's heads? Like why? Why does he have to keep crushing their heads? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Um, and so that's typically where the literalism falls apart. Because typically what will happen is with your when you are looking at a premillennial view, is you'll just look at the thousand-year reign part and what comes after it, and you don't really look at where it's placed in the book. 
um, because it makes it really hard. It makes it really hard when you're like, wait, but he just destroyed everybody. Like yeah. the verse before, he destroyed the, all the enemies. So where are these other enemies coming from? Um, and so that's where it gets kind of kind of rough. What say you, Gordon? I'm gonna be transmillennial. That makes no sense. <laughs> Did you walk in here knowing that's what you were gonna say? Oh man. <laughs> That doesn't make any Brilliant. sense. Brilliant. You can't be trans. So in researching millennial positions, I found transmillennial, which... That's not a thing. It is. Who holds that? Who no. came up with it? Max King. Who? Okay, great. Well, his, th- <laughs> his thing is that the, it was the transition between the covenants was the millennial, so from like 30 to 70, 80. That seems like post-millennialism. He's a full preterist, so... So he says all of it has already happened. Yeah. Jesus already came back. Yeah. And the millennial was that. Jesus come, where's Jesus? He just came back. Why is there judging. sin? Well, he he's reigning. Like that's why am I not that's glorified? What that, but that's why do I have like scars? The, the final, the final. Because Jesus has scars. Conquer the, the the victory at the end <laughs> is over death, and so until. Why did my dad die? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> we can, we can lot get of really emotional right now if we want. <laughs> we can get real serious. That makes no sense. Preterism is silly. If you say that Jesus has already come back, but death is still happening. Full preterism is silly. Right, full preterism is silly. If Jesus came back and death still has power, then Jesus does, isn't who he says he is, and you should probably find a different religion. You shouldn't follow this Jesus guy if he already came back and couldn't defeat death the second time. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Well, it, I think it just depends on what you mean by he came back, because he... Then that's really where my hung. I've been trying to wrestle through the post-millennial view, and I'm studying it. I'm still hung up on the Olivet discourse because, regardless of whether you see a great tribulation as never seen before, yep. as a an end times or a preterist kind of an approach, or or that all of the ends of the earth, he's going to gather them from the four winds. Like, regardless of how you read those things, you can have variation. But the idea that Jesus has come back. And he's gone out of his way in Matthew 24 to say, hey, if you see him, if you hear of him in the house or in the desert, don't go to him. Like, yeah. He's pretty serious about that, that we're supposed to be watchful for his coming um, and that he's literally coming back. Then it seems almost anticlimactic that he just came back to judge Jerusalem. Right. And if that's what we mean by he's come back, that's weird. then I don't think that... So is he coming back a third time then? That he would, well, he would be coming back only at the end. So there's a third coming. Yeah, but the, the first time he didn't technically come, he, his wrath came on Israel. His judgment came so on Revelation Israel. So Revelation 19 is AD 70, and it's not... Who are the people with the white robes who are with him? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not defending the... I, yeah, I know. I'm not it's defending like, the post-millennial like it view. It falls apart but. really fast. Like it's, a, it's, a nice, it's a nice thought. The, <laughs> it, make, it helps to... <laughs> Helps to wrap Revelation up in a nice little bow <laughs> to say it already but it, happened. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Like I said, for postmillennialism, I don't think Revelation is. Yeah, you just like an if, important. If it already text. happened, like why are we reading it? Like it's just a historical document. Then I mean, you could to say be the blessed. Gospels. Like I guess to be blessed, but how are we blessed by it? All right, I'm, I'm still more not, interested in a transmillennial view. I'm, what are What are we saying, Gordon? I got nothing else on that. <laughs> so he's saying it's the forty years between Jesus's ascension. To so when the Jesus came back, the temple. when Jesus came back, he established a new covenant, correct? Right. Yes. So it's that transitional period between the old covenant and the new covenant that it was the phasing out of the old covenant. Because when he comes back, you still have faithful the, Jews to to say that with. So Jesus rose again, right. new covenant. Yeah. So if a Jew who had been following 
the law and the Torah yeah. died the next day after Jesus came back, it was that transitional thing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Then the, the temple's destroyed. And it but ends weren't they the... uh, kind of like gathered and then they decided to crucify Jesus? So was it really that transitional? Um, also, they started like like people were preaching. If you want to say somebody, it, it's a weird period. It's it's a a weird, trans- sure, it's a weird period, but it seems like the transition from covenants happened before 70 AD. They're saying the whole thing is just like the full transition is there, and now we're on Christianity rather than Judaism. Right, oh, and yeah. and that's when Christianity emerges right. out, sure. out from underneath as just a sect of Judaism. And the temple is destroyed, so it's the full. Yeah. Huh. It's an interesting thought. That's like I don't the period. Think, I don't think that's Armageddon. No. <laughs> I don't right. think that's Revelation. I do. It's a cool thought. <laughs> I like it. Way to go, Max King. That's interesting. That's one of my favorite things about eschatology. You can just read things like, well, that was interesting. That was a thought. Right. That was something someone thought once. Uh, <laughs> he, he just came up with a book. About this? Yeah. Is it called Transmillennial? I'm getting it. Transmillennial sounds like that's going to mislead a it's, lot of people. It's, like it's people are going to be in. <laughs> people are gonna, he's, op- he's hoping for some crossover yeah, purchases. Yeah, so people are going to be in there and like, oh, this will help me understand all sorts of things. And then, no, it won't. It'll just help you understand the end times. That's about it. It's not going <laughs> to... And only and only to understand previous times, not and even end times. 70 AD. You're not getting anything past now. Um, I'm hoping his subtitle to that title is more helpful than Transmillennial. <laughs> Maybe it has none. That is such a perfect name. <laughs> Transmillennial. He will get more purchases out of curiosity than anything Transmillennial also sounds like something else. like an old person would call themselves to say that they're like a millennial, but they're not a millennial, so they're Transmillennial, like they're from a different generation. Like Technically, I'm a baby boomer, but I'm a Transmillennial. <laughs> What a great name. I've transitioned into being a millennial now. Transitioned. Did you find it? It doesn't exist. It's not a real book. He's not a real person. Gordon made it up. I'm getting this book in the mail this month oh, okay. to do a review on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I feel like we've covered the millennium. I don't know if we've covered it well. But I don't. <laughs> we've covered it. Once again, uh, if I had an opinion at parksidevisalia.org. You can, yeah, you can send us questions about eschatology. Um, I think next week we'll probably talk about actually the rapture. Checked, have, yeah. Have you checked yeah. that email? Yeah, I, I check that email. I do it. I do it like daily. But um, send us send us messages. We will answer them uh, in the next podcast. We will be back next week uh, to talk about the rapture. Um, our goal isn't necessarily to settle any of these matters. I don't, I don't think, think so. I hope not because that's probably not going to happen. Uh, maybe next week we'll, though, because we're going to talk about the rapture. So um, doesn't exist. Okay, there we go. So... <laughs> <laughs> there's a teaser for you a, this is gonna get interesting uh, <laughs> well today we were trying to figure out how the millennium didn't exist so i guess we're kind of staying on theme staying on theme how stuff doesn't exist um <laughs> Gordon, your Gordon favorite eschatologies <laughs> Gordon's <Dumb. not> real. <laughs> oh anyway um so next week we're gonna talk about the rapture send in your questions we'll probably have more surprise topics i hope um, and we're going to try our, um, what, what were they called again? Mr. Big? Mr. Big. If they're Mr. here, Big are you going to order some? Yeah, I'm going to order some. Mr. Big bars. We're going to try them. Can't order, can't try them before. No, we can't try them before. People need to hear us chewing air. on air. Yep. ASMR, man. Um, that's, <laughs> that's what it's about. We're going to soothe some people to sleep. We're going to put that part on repeat. Yeah. It's great. Listen to people chew. It's my favorite. Um, so until next time.